The Yuletide TV podcast is hosted by three college friends trying to find the best Christmas TV episodes ever made. That quest can, at times, be frustrating, which is a nice way of saying that this show contains explicit content. We know that might get us placed on the naughty list, but better us than you. Today, we will go head to head to head in a battle perfectly themed for this season. Welcome to the Yuletide TV Podcast, the podcast where we try and find the best Christmas TV episodes ever made. I'm Chris, and with me as always are my co-hosts Brian. Hey, how you doing? And John. Hello. And with us for the first time is Glenn Warren from the Seasons Eatings Podcast. Hey guys, happy to be here. Thanks for joining us, Glenn. Uh, if you're thinking, wait a minute, Chris, didn't you say we'd be discussing Letterkenny with the ladies from Netflixmas? The answer is yes, and we will. Uh, but due to some scheduling conflicts, we are not able to record the episode, but we will be doing it in May, so stay tuned. In the meantime, Glenn was gracious enough to fill in, and we are excited to have him share his Christmas culinary expertise with us. Before we dive into that, Glenn, uh, you're from Canada, right? I am, yes. Just north of Toronto. Gotcha. And are are there any major differences between a Canadian Christmas and an American Christmas? Uh, it would actually depend on what province you live in, because each um, each province has their own sort of traditions. I'm originally from Newfoundland, so there are a lot of uh, Irish and English traditions. Of course, most of Canada is English, except for Quebec. So they have a lot of the major sort of common traditions that everyone has, like turkey and all that stuff happening during the christmas season that's pretty common british traditions we celebrate boxing day i know that americans don't yeah we don't believe in charity (laughs) (laughs) if i see you put one penny in the salvation army's bucket you can get the hell out (laughs) uh there's a lot of uh different uh french traditions in quebec so there's a meat pie called tortiere it's a mixture of beef and pork and it's basically a, a delicious sort of flaky pastry with meat. And there's nothing wrong with that. Does not sound like there could be. <laughs> <laughs> In Newfoundland, we have, it's funny because we have a Christmas parade early, early December, late November, around there, depending on the you know timing. But there's an anthropomorphic tube of bologna that always walks through the Christmas parade uh, called the Big Stick. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's this huge it's it's something to behold. It's basically this cylindrical pink tube with big eyes and a big smiling face with the company's logo on his belly walking through the streets of town along with Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was gonna ask, is he is he the uh that version of Macy Santa, does he come in at the end and that's that's how we know the holiday has begun in earnest? No, but we, that's, if, you, uh, if you talk to a lot of Newfoundlanders, if the big stick is not in the Christmas parade, they're very disappointed. That sounds like a cross between Forrest Gump and the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. It is, because the, the Bologna is made by a company called Maple Leaf, which you've probably heard of. And Newfoundlanders eat about like a half a million pounds of it every year, so... We love the stuff. Wow. There's a whole cookbook dedicated to it, so. <laughs> Who knew there was more to do besides fried bologna? Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. 
definitely some stuff that I was not aware of. No, <laughs> no, this has been a very good cultural experience. One other thing in Ontario <laughs> is a thing called beaver tails, not the actual real animal. Oh, okay. Those you can act, you can eat the tail of the beaver anyway, but it's very greasy. If you go to a lot of the um, <laughs> fairs during the summer, well, not this year, but you know, <laughs> yep. Yep. it's basically like a flat sort of dough pancake almost, but it's made from bread dough. And then you pour maple syrup on top or like chocolate syrup, marshmallows, brown sugar, anything you want. You can pile on top of it as long as it's, you know, calorie laden and rot your teeth. <laughs> so I'm from where Wisconsin and the UP of Michigan touch. And we have those at like fairs too, but we're also functionally Canadian. <laughs> so <laughs> they call it tails? Yeah, we do. Okay. Nice. Awesome. Oneness. We've bonded. <laughs> there you go. well glenn you're already proving that uh i think you were the right person to bring in for for this episode and and we've had some people uh bring episodes but we're also i've had some episodes in mind that i think fit the particular expertise of some of our fellow christmas podcasters so i asked glenn to join us for this one and i think we can start diving into our discussion about today's episode We're going to be talking about Ghosts of Holiday Ingredients Past from Iron Chef America. It is the fourth episode of the show's 12th season. It originally aired on November 30th, 2013, and is available on Hulu in the U.S. And Glenn, I realized that after telling you that, that you are in Canada and probably don't have access to hulu so but i found it <laughs> where where were you able to find it <laughs> on the good old youtube oh okay all right great well there you go <laughs> so if you don't have subscription so, to hulu you can watch it there perfect so there you go if you'd like to watch it for yourself but if you haven't had a chance here's a little bit of what happened in this special episode three iron chefs get paired with three chefs from the cooking channel chef simon gets paired with shing he hong Chef Morimoto gets paired with G. Garvin, and Chef Garces gets paired with Bobby Dean. They quickly discover that in this contest, there isn't one secret ingredient, but four, plucked from past holiday matchups. Gingerbread, sparkling wine, eggnog, and fruitcake. The chefs race to get their first dish ready, with Garces plating his gingerbread bellinis first, followed by Morimoto with sukiyaki and shabu-shabu, and Team Simon bringing up the rear with eggnog poached veal tenderloin and crispy veal brains. Garces takes the lead as everyone races to get their three remaining courses finished. The culinary curveball sees Team Garces add apple cider cider to their concoctions. Cider. Mor- cider. 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 <laughs> Morimoto needs to work with popcorn, and Team Simon gets stuck with candy canes. As time winds down, the final dishes are presented, which I will refer refrain from naming in full here and team garces walks away with the win so this is a kind of an interesting episode it is our first time with a reality competition show but let's maybe just start by talking about our familiarity with this series uh, have any of you guys watched much iron chef before this i have i watched a vulgar amount of japanese iron chef as a child and was really excited for american iron chef to happen when it started and then i was really confused why the host of iron chef was the bad guy from cradle to the grave (laughs) (laughs) of american 
Yeah, he's the the bad guy in the seminal DMX R.I.P. movie Cradle to the Grave. Oh, with so Takeshi Kaga is that that's his name, right? The chairman. The American version, yeah, the chairman. Yeah, is the, yeah. I have I don't know the the guy's name. I looked it up to make sure I was like correct. <laughs> well, also also the future bad guy of uh, John Wick Three. Yes. Which I, you know, not that this is going to turn into a John Wick 3 podcast, but did not enjoy that character. I didn't mind him. I thought, but it was very distracting when you know him from Iron Chef. And even though he has his head shaved in John Wick 3, where you're like, wait a minute. What are you doing? I'm, I'm sure there, I'm sure there's been a judge on Iron Chef America that said this, but when it comes to the chairman's role in John Wick 3, too much ham. Too much. There you go. <laughs> Too much ham. Not a fan. Well, a little yeah. known fact about the chairman, he was also Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar in Japan. Oh. Hell yeah. <laughs> that guy owns. I would watch that one. <laughs> I think that guy also showed up in a couple episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when I watched that show. Someone can spot check me, but I think in the... Maybe like the second or second or third season, I'm pretty sure. Stop watching after they went out to space. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) I I used to watch a fair amount of this show in college. I feel like this and Top Gear were like my two shows that I would like fall asleep to, like if I wanted a nap. There's something just very soothing about high paced cooking shows uh, and British people talking about motor cars, but. It's weird. I was you used to be able to find a lot of this show streaming, and like now it's it's very hard to find. I was trying to find an earlier holiday special they had where the secret ingredients w- was dates, I think, and I just thought that was like because with this it's like you're taking very holiday themed ingredients and trying to put them in other dishes. Where this it's like with dates, it was like you're trying to put dates into holiday themed dishes, and that was. To me, a little more interesting, but I still liked how this one turned out. Well, this this episode is called Ghosts of Ingredients Past. So they have four different ingredients that they've already used on previous shows. Is that that's correct? Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah previous that, contest, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think they've had some some prior holiday specials. This is again in, in our ongoing philosophy of trying to make episodes that people can easily watch. This was the only one I could find that was readily available. Sp- for streaming, uh, so that's why we went with this one. But I, I do like that, you know, they said this was the first time that they had three chefs kind of going head-to-head, which I thought was was kind of fun. It was, it was pretty frantic, and the multiple ingredients were interesting to see how they worked with. Now, Glenn, have you done episodes on any of these ingredients? I have. I've done episodes on uh, eggnog and gingerbread. And how do you think that with some of these dishes because there was some pretty exotic stuff being uh thrown around here how do you how do you think they did in honoring the uh the essence of what those ingredients were based on your knowledge and to incorporate in them into something new well they've all made yeah they all did fairly well for making stuff new but eggnog i mean come on it's dairy you can make you can make anything just substitute whatever dairy product you had and throw in eggnog yeah, you get a little bit of, what, cinnamon flavor or rum flavor. But overall, eggnog is fairly bland, <laughs> you know? So I think that was an easy out. 
gingerbread they didn't really touch it much because i think most people most of the three chefs they focused on the eggnog which was an easy easy out and the champagne and the fruitcake because i think i heard alton brown saying that's my fruitcake about 60 times during the whole episode yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Wish. wow product placement <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> can we can we talk about Alton Brown real quick and how I just wanted him to fix his goddamn collar the whole time? <laughs> not not his best look. Uh, he he it was a very odd look for Alton Brown in 2013, I thought. Wait, you didn't like that look at all? I just thought he looked overly like scruffy and yeah, he looked but the bow tie was all askew and so I was just like I think he's looked better. I didn't think All the right. suit fit him very well. It was probably like the fourth taping of the day, and they just wanted to get it done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you're probably not wrong. Co- costumes, costumes is already home. They weren't going to try to fix it. <laughs> exactly. They're just sending it. That's what we have left. Who's going to watch the Christmas episode, anyways? Yeah, it's not going to be in a podcast eight years from now, right? <laughs> <laughs> so this is again a bit of a hard episode to talk about because we're not so much talking about plot. We're not talking about uh, you know character, or even holiday feels all that much in this one. No, there's so... no holiday feels at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> they used holiday ingredients, and that was it. <laughs> I'm going to challenge that a little bit. There was some festivity around it, but at the same time, to kind of John's point, it was probably the second taping of the day in August. (laughs) Yeah, that's... One of the dishes they wrapped up in cellophane to make it look like a gift. Yeah. And the other one, they they wrapped some red LED lights around it. I mean... That was the same gift. That was the same thing. (laughs) No, I thought it was... I thought it was Christmassy enough for what it was, which was a reality you know time-based cooking show but it seemed clear that for at least one of the chefs that they had christmas in mind and was saying like yeah this is kind of like a take on a traditional christmas dish from where i'm from my country yeah i feel like morimoto probably probably was like really hitting japanese christmas notes yeah but like we our entire knowledge of it is our research for digimon like we don't we don't know how much he was killing it but but would would, would that be a, uh again an easy out because he's making food that he's very familiar with he falls back on what he knows as most chefs do but he could challenge himself because he had an extra hand he had um what garvin and he they could have come up yeah. with some fusion thing but no he's doing okay we're doing my asian stuff and you're just helping me out you're my sous chef yeah that was that was kind of interesting cuz i think you know and it, it was commented on in the episode like mori morimoto like does as much as possible like he was like going all out with everything and yeah he didn't really lean on I think we saw that in two chefs, actually. I think Garces, too, didn't really lean on, on Bobby Dean's background too much. He was definitely just using him as a as a sous chef. And uh, Morimoto, yeah, didn't really lean on the kind of that southern, you know, New Orleans that seemed to be more Garvin's specialty. I think he probably gave up on Bobby Dean when he couldn't make an egg. <laughs> he couldn't fry <laughs> that it is clearly. True. Bobby <laughs> Dean was struggling. <laughs> I mean, and like, fly, like, I've... Fry, frying a quail egg isn't easy, like certainly, but it's like 
the guy like broke like 10 <laughs> it was like and he was using like the tiniest little offset spatula to flip the egg i'm like dude you're bigger spatulas than the whole freaking kitchen <laughs> <laughs> you're paula Deen's kid get more butter <laughs> was that the only one of the four of us that was impressed the whole time like wow that looks awesome and i could <laughs> never make it <laughs> i you could get me all day brian do you watch like do you watch like top chef no or do you watch like chopped I watch binging with Babish and you suck at cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I just like I watch like so much cooking shows that like when I saw when I saw someone struggle, I was, my brain just goes like, "Oh, you're the one who's going home." Like, <laughs> not gonna see you next episode. Yeah, and I saw Bobby Dean struggling. I was like, "You're not making it. This is not it for you." <laughs> well, it was it's interesting because I think you saw. All three of the chefs were like, and it was kind of the cool thing about the competition of having the Iron Chefs go head to head is like you saw them do what they do best to the best of their ability. Like they, they like leaned, I think like what you were saying, Glenn, like you see them kind of fall back on what they're familiar with and know how to do. But I think you were really then seeing them like you really were able to see their different styles really well and see like, okay, like this is really going to come down to like how well they execute and how well everything is going to taste. I mean, you did comment, um, Simon took advantage of Ching Hui's Chinese cuisine experience and he tried to play that up as much as possible, which I think helped them in the long run because you haven't, he has enough experience in that cuisine as well that they could create something really good. I mean, who would have thought of soaking um, sheep's brains in milk? I mean, yes, it's a common dish in certain in cultures. Poaching poaching brains is is actually pretty delicious if you if you can get past the brain part. <laughs> <laughs> you might sweet. not have you you might have to not tell me. <laughs> Here's a custard. Brains and sweetbreads own. Well, it's kind of like that because I mean. If you know your biology, brains are mostly just gelatin, gelatinous tissue surrounded by, you know, little fibers. So what'd you say about my brain, Glenn? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing we haven't told you already. What? There's a milk poached uh, pork loin that you can do that actually breaks down the the milk fibers, the protein fibers in milk break down and make the pork so sweet and tender with the lactose. That you, that it'll be like the best pork loin you've ever had. <laughs> so I knew what Simon was going for when he did the eggnog poaching, but you only have an hour, and he had what twenty minutes because it had the first dish had to be on the table in twenty minutes. So going through the uh, reality TV time, because we'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> twenty minutes is not long enough to poach anything unless you put it into like a pressure cooker. And I didn't see him put it into a pressure cooker. Anyway, always, that's my beef. Always when I watch Top Chef America, I always like, when you watch like the Japanese one, they make them like make the five dishes in front of you. And in the American one, they're like, just make one. And then we'll like, we'll clean it up for you in post or whatever. And I always, <laughs> and I always feel like the show suffered from the lack of torture these people were put through. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the Japanese one, like the people were in just like hideous agony. They're just like, like sweating. They're just like dying out there. And this one, they're just like, we have like fun little gimmicks. This is a, a cute show. 
I'm going to hit a bottle of champagne in the middle of the recording. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that was kind of the uh, part of the thing I didn't like about this episode is you can tell that this is a little bit later. Like, I don't even know if they still make Iron Chef with any regularity anymore. I think they do like kind of one offs here and there every now and then. But like, you can tell this is later in the show's run just by how gimmicky it is. You know, you don't have one Iron Chef going up against someone. You have three Iron Chefs and three chefs from our sister channel. And we have not one secret ingredient, but four. And plus, you got to get the dish out in 20, se- 20 minutes. And we're going to throw an additional ingredient at you. It's just like, it was so much coming in that I was just like, I don't need it all. Like, this show is to me at least, entertaining enough without all this extra that you're trying to add to it. Yeah, at like some point, too, in this show, I got up and I like, like cleaned up the kitchen because I was watching <laughs> in my living room, right? Because I thought, like, okay, this is that kind of show where you can hear it in the background and still kind of know what's going on. And then at some point, I was just like, wait, what did I miss? What dish is this? How did we get here? What the hell's happening? I watched it twice because I was like, I felt like I, because I was cleaning house the first time I watched it. And I was like, okay, I feel like I didn't grasp enough of this to like talk about it. And like, and I like, I like cooking. Like cooking's like a hobby of mine. And like, I was like, I'm certainly I can't emulate this, but I like to like pick up stuff. So I like watched it again today, just doing nothing. And I still couldn't follow what they were doing. <laughs> like the pace was just like, the pace of this episode is like just ridiculous. It's very breakneck, and I I had a similar sensation. I was writing my notes, and then I was, like, refining my notes in preparation for this episode, and I realized I had, like, I'd written down stuff at the beginning, because they, like, start out by, like, being like, oh, he's got a leg of lamb, and he's got a fish, and, uh, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, and then you kind of forget about that, and then you come back, you know, at the end, I I really tried to write down, which I don't know if we want to go through, like, what they ended up serving at the end, but... And I'm like, oh, I guess I did write this stuff down twice, kind of. Like, they did set this up at the beginning, but you totally lose it in the middle. I almost think it's, like, the chairman's, like, culinary chaos thing maybe makes it, like, get lost a little bit. Like, I don't know, or those, like, sit-down interviews in the middle are also confusing. Yeah, I mean, I think the the curveball for sure is, like, why are we adding this? And even the chefs are like, this is, like, one of them did, like, a cocktail and one did... I don't even remember. Like, Simon just, like, had this big pot of duck sauce, and he's like, candy canes, too. <laughs> like, yeah, I was going to huck okay. some peppermint in this boy. <laughs> the other one was, like, what, covered the popcorn with chocolate. Right, yeah. yeah. And, like, put it on top of ice cream. Like, right. They all seemed so annoyed, too. My favorite was, we're going to take cider, and we're going to add bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when it was like, we're going to make... Like, cider, I feel like you could do something cool with. Like, I guess, given more time than a half hour. Yes. But it was just, like, hot toddies? Yeah. That's the thing, right? And they had these, like, poor culinary writers have to be like, this is the greatest hot toddy I've ever had. Well, (laughs) if you watch the regular show, it's only two chefs, right? This is three. Yeah. Yeah. Plus they have, what's... Who's the guy who walks the area... And and interviews the chef. Oh, you mean not Alton Brown? Yeah, he's like totally Kevin. useless. Kevin Brush. He's he's Kevin, walking. Usually yeah. in the regular show, he's going around <laughs> saying, "Oh, chef, what are you making here?" I didn't get any of that. Very little of it. And again, it just seemed like a a time issue. I think he did that like once at the beginning, because I remember him like yelling that he was behind. You know, he's behind someone as he was yeah. walking through. And then, yeah, you're right. He didn't 
you know, you're just mostly trying to go off Elton, trying to like do his, you know, big picture view of like they're using my fruitcake. Yeah, right. <laughs> fruitcake in the kitchen. I felt like whenever they convert, whenever they transform food cake or gingerbread into a cracker, I was just so disappointed. That was that's my takeaway on the food. I was just so sad every time it happened, and it happened for all of them. Did you guys have a favorite dish or a dish you most wanted to try? I can do one off the off the top that I thought sound, seemed good: the scallops with the oh, uh, champagne and, that's gin- like, and gingerbread. Yeah, that like that adds up to seem like it would taste like something good. <laughs> oh, and yeah, there's I mean, a little pet peeve. It's not Bellini, it's Blini. Oh. <laughs> a Bellini is a drink with champagne and peach yeah. juice. Oh. Uh, as far as I know, a Bellini is like a donut, an uh, Italian huh. donut. But I could be wrong. But if I had to choose, just for comfort, I would do the ice cream sundae. Oh yeah, the um man, what did they what did he call that? Um well they called it like a parfait, but they had Yeah, that did look yeah, that looked that looked very good. I I was also interested in the eggnog carbonara, which which uh, see, yes. that was like the most interesting to me. I think I think S- Chef Simon had a number I, I wish no one called it out, but he was like doing that roast duck and I like no one made a Christmas story reference of like what he was going, like even he didn't do that. And I'm like, that would have been a good tie in with the theme of the episode is serving he that duck. He should have been a bigger nerd. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you see his headband, Chris? He's clearly cool. That is. <laughs> if you know Simon at all, he's a big pork. Like he loves bacon, pork, anything coming from the pig. Uh, you know the miracle miracle animal. So, I'm surprised he did duck. That duck looked really good. Though. It did, but I was expecting like some pork belly or some you know, lardons or anything that well, you know. He did that for one of his dishes. He had the grilled pork belly with peach and eggnog puree, which I like. I feel like again, just given the the crunch of this episode with so much in it, like I'm reading my notes here and I'm like, you know, Simon's menu sounds fantastic with the scallops the grilled pork and the duck i would eat that and then like you look at garces which also sounds good but i think look better and in in the feel of the episode i was like yeah he he seemed like he should have won like that's it it seemed pretty heavily favored to him yeah but he had bobby dean (laughs) see and i'm gonna split the i'm gonna split hairs here i'm gonna say uh morimoto had the uh the presentation that i most wanted because christmas eve my family does surf and turf so when he laid all that out Mm. oh that looked real good and then you know the quail with the eggnog and fruitcake was awesome and really it just kind of comes down to that bread pudding i don't know what happened to me and when but i had a really good bread pudding once and (laughs) changes you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> bread bread pudding's fairly unfuckwithable. Like it's it's it's, it's very staple. hard to yeah, it's fantastic. And see, you could have done an eggnog and champagne sabayon and put it on top of the bread pudding, and that would have been perfect. Those are words, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Those are words, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't cook. I don't cook to that level. Yeah. Well a sabayon <laughs> is just a sauce made with champagne. Oh, okay, cool. I'm in. <laughs> I was a little interested that Morimoto went 
I mean, he did like five desserts, but I was a little interested that for the champagne, he went with something as simple as shaved ice with champagne syrup, which sounded amazing. Like, I would love to try a shaved ice with champagne syrup, but I was surprised that's all he did with it. I was very confused why he's like, and of course, because it's Christmas, have shaved ice. Yeah. I'm like, it's cold, man. (laughs) (laughs) I want, I know they like prefer shaved ice in Japan more so than we do here, but I was still like cold <laughs> so cold <laughs> open your worldview john you could do ice cream with like throw in any of the ingredients all together and it still tastes good i was honestly very grateful that no one did any ice creams i feel like <laughs> in these shows especially like ice cream is like the cop-out move of like i don't have any better ideas like because i know i've watched this show and i've seen popcorn ice cream and i've seen i mean eggnog ice cream almost also seems like a pretty straightforward gimme that i was glad no one you know fell back on i've eaten lots of eggnog ice cream before during the holidays (laughs) well i wanted to circle back too because we kind of touched on two questions i want to ask you guys which is one do we think that the right person won and two uh brian you were kind of touching on this with your surf and turf comment is do any of these dishes resemble anything that you traditionally have at a holiday meal so maybe we maybe we start with do we think the right person won? And who won again? Garces won. I I felt like Simon's food was the most interesting, and he seemed like the coolest dude, so he wins. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question for everybody. Does anybody else think the idea of plating is bullshit? No. <laughs> I don't care what my food looks like when oh, it comes out. No. Did you ever work in a restaurant, Brian? No, clearly I did not. <laughs> I think Madison, it's very important. I swear yeah. you've eaten out more than what? like McDonald's. You have. You have to eat at a restaurant that yeah, serves no, you. No, no, I have. Listen, food. I get the idea. <laughs> Maybe I'm taking it from the wrong angle. Like I definitely get the idea of plating in the sense that the the food needs to be like you can't just throw it all in a blender put it on a plate and call that your meal right you have to have differences in where everything is but i don't i don't understand this like you gotta put it in the center of the plate and then you gotta get that nice drizzle you know to make it look like the top of a wild berry pop tart <laughs> and then after that we're gonna drizzle some cilantro on top of it and i just got deja vu by the way that we've done this before <laughs> So, Brian, you know, like, when you, you know how you like to do woodworking? Yes. You know, like, do you... What if I had said no? I I would call you a liar. Because <laughs> uh, I know you. And we would admonish your improv- improvisation skills. Yeah. I'm, I, I am here to be yes-ended and not no-stop. All right, all right. But, like, when you make a table, like, you varnish it. And you make it, like, look nice. Like, you don't just, like, huck out a lapsided piece of, like, brown thing with, like, four legs that would function yeah, but the table. Yeah, but the table. The, ta- the food that you're making is an You eat with your disposable. eyes, Brian. You eat with your eyes first, exactly. <laughs> Plus, you gotta, you gotta, you just gotta do it for the gram, you know? You yeah. gotta do it for the gram. So. <laughs> Going back, I do think that Simon should have won because him and Ch- uh, Ching Hui had the most creative dishes i mean yes you said morimoto had sort of fancy japanese stuff but i think they i think that simon and ching did the best sort of what what they what they 
recreated with the ingredients. So I think Simon should have won, not Bobby Dean. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, I mean, I think, like, just from what we were getting feedback on from the judges, it seemed like Garces was, like, running away from it because they had the least to critique. Like, I, I don't remember exactly what some of their critiques were from from Simon, but I, I know that they had a few more, it seemed like, than, than they did for some of the other chefs. But, yeah, again, like I said, just reading, like, rereading over the menu, it's like, if I was just presented these three menus, it's like, yeah, Simon's would probably be the one I'd, I'd want to take. You know, had I not taken notes, the only thing I would have remembered about the judges is that I wished one of them was Carl Reiner. Or not Carl Reiner. <laughs> Rob. Rob Reiner. <laughs> Rob Reiner. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Rob Reiner. Yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed in the judges. I didn't know you any know, of the, them. the first... Yeah, the the first guy I I just know because like they said he's been on the show a bazillion times, but they usually have like some kind of at least like C list celebrity in the mix. Um, but this was like a PR person and some other restaurateur, so I was a little disappointed that there wasn't. But it seemed like they spent most of their budget on bringing all those chefs in together, and uh, probably didn't have much left over in terms of fees for for getting notable judges. Which goes back to my theory that it was the fourth taping of the day, and they just uh, scraped the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> like, who can we pull in this off the street? Left. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I think they were All like right. really. You're a food critic. You work for our network, and we're gonna put you out there. Okay, you're kind of snotty, but you really enjoy duck. Go. <laughs> I think that's like they're really testing the theory that they've kind of like built up around like chopped right where it's like they don't put celebrities on chopped really they just are like we've built these internal stars so you'll watch it because you like this one because you've seen them on 10 other shows and they were just like really reaching for the like the back half of the order <laughs> on that where it's like they were on a couple of things you might know them <laughs> like, yeah that's a good point i think i've run through most of my talking points the one thing i did want to bring up and i don't know if this is and this might just be me and it might just be because I was in the Christmas brain. But going back to talking about the chairman for a minute, I was getting very strong Sam the Eagle vibes uh, <laughs> from him. I don't know, again, just watching him talk and then having the Christmas mind and thinking of Sam the Eagle and Muppet Christmas Carol, I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> There's something very similar going on here where he's like, it is dates. <laughs> like whatever like whatever this i don't know just the way the intonation and the rhythm of his speech i was like you're talking a little bit like a muppet he's doing an imitation of the american voiceover of the chairman character from like the japanese version oh. and he's like and he's like dead on like he is <laughs> he is he's giving like a broadway performance of it. he's killing it he's this is like this is way below his pay grade i was also gonna bring up do you remember when they first tried to bring iron chef over to america and it was on like upn sorry this is this is very inclusive american talk i don't know if you had upn oh you mean iron chef yeah. usa i think so i think was that the, like the first there was yeah. one episode yeah. called iron chef usa was filmed in vegas with william shatner as the chairman i was gonna say was william Ooh. shatner involved in it yeah <laughs> Uh, it was no no before that because okay. they they stopped taping well officially they haven't canceled iron chef america they officially but they've stopped taping like season episodes in 1999 
It started probably like 10 years before. Again, go to YouTube. You can watch, just search Iron <laughs> Chef USA William Shatner, and you'll have a plethora of lovely things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I, I guess I don't remember it enough. I've for sure seen it, but I just hope Shatner is doing his like impression of like Chen Kenichi too. Well, he's, he's <laughs> in a very long robe coat Thank slash you. coat, I guess. Oh, oh perfect. And Thanks. it's, and it's not like the original or the, the newer version of Iron Chef. They actually have two sort of sports casters going through like it's like a play-by-play a football play-by-play while they make the dishes so it is very surreal you know every time they kind of shot to either alton brown or the guy on the floor which they didn't shoot to at all i only had this one i had this singular thought of god i really wish this was the sklar brothers because they would crush (laughs) it (laughs) i just i wish that they pretended to take it more seriously because I think that's no, why I like Iron like, Chef America. It looked America. like a hell of a lot of fun. That looked like something that I am vastly underqualified for, but would love to participate. Well, in. it's no, but I'm like I mean like the like uh, Alton Brown, right? Oh, like, sure. Like he's he's being so tongue in cheek, and I love Alton Brown. I think he's there's there's nary a media property, including Alton Brown, that I don't want to watch. <laughs> good eat, good eats taught me to cook. I think the reason I like the Japanese one is because there's like. They're pretending to take it serious. Like I'm sure, I'm sure they don't care. But like Alton Brown is like so tongue in cheek that it's like, it's like yeah, I, you're funny. You've always been funny. <laughs> like I still find you funny. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a good presence uh, to anchor the show around. I think. Well, he's done enough of them. He should know how to do it practically in his sleep. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that. Uh, can lead us to our final judgments. Glenn, is there anything we didn't get to that you wanted to make sure we talked about? Oh, I want to crash some belief systems, that's for sure. The whole show is a lie! <laughs> a lie! <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Each chef gets $500 spending money to buy the ingredients to cook with. So they kind of already know what the secret ingredient is based on the ingredients they're allowed to buy. So, hmm. I'm going to shatter people's truths. Um, <laughs> judging can take... I, I, I don't think you're shattering truths necessarily, because <laughs> I thought to, I had a brief thought while watching it, and it was Alton Brown talking about, like, that's a rare fish that he's using to prepare this traditional... <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's kind of interesting that they had that just on hand. Yeah. <laughs> and that's then the, the gears turned a little bit further, the... and I was like, they probably know... There's only the 100 left in the world. came through. <laughs> yeah. Um, judging can take about 45 minutes for each uh, chef. So they have to remake the dishes to make them look fresh. <laughs> mm. I was good. I've All always kind of wondered ways. about that. Because I'm like, either this food is extremely cold or... <laughs> like, don't you don't you hate it when you work a job where they just make you redo everything over and over <laughs> <again>? <laughs> That includes the uh, on-the-floor cooking, too. So sometimes they can't get the right angle, depending on how the chef is cooking. So they have to reshoot the scene two or three times, picking the ingredient, cutting the ingredient. So... The clock is a lie. Here's here's my real question then. Here's my real question. 
Do they have a craft service table? <laughs> <laughs> they should. The craft service table is all Because it doesn't seem like the there's a food. point. What's that? The craft service table is all the extra food. Yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> yeah, you just better, you better really hope you're like the secret ingredient of that day. <laughs> Dates! <laughs> there you go. When they only had, what, 20 minutes to make the first dish, and Simon just squeaks in at the last second, I'm like, that is BS if I ever heard it. <laughs> But they were just like, they were like, we really love the idea of getting some brains on TV, though. They'll look real exotic for everybody. But I, I've been to enough, or I've seen enough re- reality shows, quote unquote, that I know none of it's real. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Shocking. All right. Well, let us wrap up then with uh, some final judgments on this episode our, our first reality competition show we have reviewed for the podcast are we going to call this a Christmas classic, a pair of socks or a lump of coal and we'll have Brian or John who wants to lead us off I think I'm going to lump it because I let this like oh, autoplay really? and I like I like let it autoplay and the next episodes were way more fun because okay. I think I okay. think the three chef thing makes it bad. Mm. I think it makes it really really confusing, and really chaotic, and like it's either not long enough or like too long, or there's just too much going on. So I don't know if you want to if you need some Ultra Brown content, he's the best episode of Hot Hot Ones. There you go. <laughs> he is a, he's a really good episode yeah. of Hot Ones. <laughs> Following that up, I'm gonna say it's a, it's a it's a pair of socks. It's just middle of the road. Like I wasn't disappointed that I watched it, but it certainly didn't you know knock my socks off. I, I'll always enjoy watching people cook food because I mean, come on, <laughs> it's just it's just the best. And for some reason, it's really pleasing. <laughs> Glenn, what do you think? I think it's a pair of socks, but when you put the socks on, you find a lump of coal in the toe. <laughs> that's a fresh take. That's a fresh that's, that, yeah. that's a really good version of like the like when we always get elaborate with the sock one. That's like a great a great spin on it. It's entertaining just for it's you know, people running around looking chaotic and you don't know what's gonna happen, but overall for a Christmas episode it's kinda dull. Fair enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Parasox as well. I don't think you could I don't think we could call any reality reality or reality competition show a Christmas classic. I think it would really need to stand out. Um, but I would, I mean, I, I like the format of this show enough that I would say, like, this is a higher tier pair of socks, uh, in my opinion. Bamboo. <laughs> Darn top. Bamboo, there you go. You know, some uh, smart wool, some smart wool socks. Uh, but I think... Yeah, you're not going to get a lot of holiday feels out of this, but I think it could be fun to watch at Christmas time to, I don't know, see stuff you'll never, ever make, but like maybe be like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Like, that could be fun. This is like the show you'd watch the last week of November, where you're kind of like ready to get into Christmas spirit, but you're not ready to declare it in your household yet. Yeah. That's fa- hence. Oh, I mean, I- oh, oh! I guess this is the Christmas episode of Iron Chef America. You know, it's close enough. I say we watch it. Well, I think they must have the same thought. I mean, that that November, 
November 30th air date, you know, they were just like, <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, kick, we'll kick things off. We'll kick off the holiday season with this. I also like that. I mean, to John, your point about the autoplay, like the next one was just like ice. It is winter, and our next thing is all about ice. It, that episode is fucking, fucking metal. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it is so rad. They have, all the dishes have to be served on plates carved by ice carvers. Oh, all it right. Well, owns. <laughs> there you go. I guess there's your there's your recommendation for what to watch. All right. Well, I think that will do it for Iron Chef. But Glenn, do you want to tell people a little bit about your podcast and where they can find you? Sure. Uh, my podcast is a Seasons Eatings podcast. We go into the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. Can be found at seasonseatingspodcast.com. Uh, download on any of your podcast app of choice. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Facebook, just search Seasons Eating Podcast. Instagram, Seasons Eatings Pod. And Twitter, because they only allow 12 characters, Seasons Eat Pod. (laughs) (laughs) And coming up in May will be my one year anniversary. Woohoo! Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, I want to thank you for joining us and, and sharing your expertise. Uh, I think you really elevated our conversation to, to new levels that we have not previously been able to attain. So Keep the bar low, guy. Keep low. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we try. That's yeah. what we strive for. <laughs> Uh, as I said, in May, we'll be having the host from the Netflix Miss Podcast on to discuss The Three Wise Men from the fifth season of Letterkenny, which you can find on Hulu, and this time we'll really do it for real. Another yeah. Canadian production. Another Canadian production, exactly, yes. <laughs> in the meantime, you can rate, review, subscribe to our podcast wherever you find it. You can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram, at Yuletide TV. Send us a note. Uh, we are getting closer and closer to figuring out what our third season of the show is going to look like. So if you have recommendations, uh, comments, ideas, yuletidetv at gmail.com is the best place to send them. Ooh, ooh, can I do a plug? Sure. Don't forget to listen to me compete on the Merry Melee 3 podcast, hosted by Todd Killian, and then I will be on the Merry Melee 4 going against the rest of the champions. Spoiler alert. Uh, Yes, and that is the Christmas Clatter podcasts. Merry Melee episodes. Yep. Yes. There we go. Get after it. Yeah. Wow. Ending on a strong note as always. All right. Well, (laughs) until next time, I've been Chris. I've been Brian. I'm John. (laughs) And I'm Glenn. Thanks for listening. We're glad you're still alive. We sure are. Yeah. Man, now i got to learn how to ice carve. Sleigh Bell Sounds provided by Michael Koenig from soundbible.com and Joy to the World provided by freexmasmp3.com.